Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special Christmas edition of In Depth with Beth and Seth. And today we are, uh, it is the week of Christmas, 2020, and we have our colleague, lead minister Paula Northwood's last sermon of her 17-year career at Plymouth to discuss. It is a big week for this podcast, and then we're going to take a week off. And my name is Seth Patterson, Minister for Spiritual Formation and Theater at Plymouth Church in Minneapolis, and I am joined, as always, by my friend and colleague, Beth Faith. Hi, Beth. Hello, Seth. Yes, I am Beth Hoffman Faith. I am the Minister for Congregational Care and Worship, and we have the pleasure to talk about uh, Paula's sermon on December 20th, 2020. Uh, She preached Pregnant with Possibility. And the scripture text is from the first chapter of Luke, verses 26 through 38, in which the angel visits Mary and tells her what's ahead for her. So before we get into the substance of this, I have really never preached a final sermon in this way. In the place before Plymouth, my final sermon, only I knew that it was my final sermon. And this is a thing that I've never experienced, but I believe you have, Beth. Can you talk a bit about this final sermon thing? It's a big deal, but what is it like to do it? What did you hear in Paula? How talk about this a bit? I would say that for me personally, it's um, it has always been a time of reflection and emotion, and also a bit of a charge to the congregation in the leaving. What what you hope for the community in moving ahead? Paula and I had some conversation. Uh, right before she preached uh, during our recording session on Thursday about the meaning of a farewell sermon. And she, I think, approached it in a similar way. I really loved the way she wove Mary's story into the sermon and then incorporated her own, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I also think she said some really significant things that Plymouth needs to hear and heed. And then, of course, she completed it with this sort of lovely series of thank yous and a recognition of her own journey and the gift it had been to serve at Plymouth. And so I really felt like it was an extraordinary farewell sermon. And sometimes when you have somebody that is as consistently loving and and sort of does the very things that you said along the way, like she's acknowledged her own role, she has pointed out things at Plymouth. She has thanked people. I mean, these these are things that she does regularly. And I think sometimes when it happens consistently, you don't notice how significant it is to do it the last time. Well, and I think that people are bringing a different expectation to the listening of the sermon, knowing that it's Paula's farewell too. So it's it's not even, I mean, it's never only about what we bring to the word. It's uh, what our listeners those who we are offering the sermon to are bringing. And many people are recognizing Paula's amazing tenure at Plymouth. We recently called her as lead minister, changing her title, making her legacy to us now historic as the first lead minister, first woman lead minister. I think people were bringing a lot to the the hearing of the sermon. And for those of us who are listening to this podcast and haven't heard it yet, I would invite you to, when you do listen to it, to be thoughtful about what kind of expectation you're bringing. Uh, because 
you know, we're all emotional in her leaving too. People really excited for Dwayne's arrival and for what's next for Plymouth, but also saying goodbye is difficult. Letting go is hard. And I also think Paula addressed that. Yeah. And as we talked about last week, in order to welcome Dwayne, we have to let go of Paula. We cannot do both at the same time. We cannot skip one and get to the other. We have to effectively say goodbye to her and let her go or begin the process of letting her go. So we have space for Dwayne. Otherwise we're trying to cram two people into one sort of position. Well, and and she names that in the sermon, but very subtly, but she uses the phrase letting go, which I found interesting because now three weeks in a row, we have heard that we've heard about letting go. I preached it two weeks ago. You preached it last week about how letting go is a part of this Advent time of preparation. And and she says it too, that if you've ever given birth or witnessed a birth, you realize that we are not in control. <laughs> and there's things about that that you cannot control. And part of that process is to let go. So whatever new is going to happen for Plymouth or for us as individuals, a big part of it is letting go of what already has happened. And that is not always easy for a place with a long tradition and long tenured members and participants and a long memory. It's not always easy to let go of some pieces of the past while also knowing which things are still relevant and energizing and important to stand on. Like what is the foundation and what is the no longer foundational? Right. And I think that Paula recognizes that she, for many people, she holds that collective historical memory of Plymouth. She's been there 17 years. You've been here four. I've been here almost four. And so we're relative newbies. And Duane, of course, will be brand new. We have staff members who have been around a long time. But for people who are sort of feeling unsettled about forgetting our past... Yeah. Uh, Paula represented to them someone who was, you know, standing in both past, present, and present. And now I think that's a difficult piece for some. Yeah. Of of our clergy team starting in January, I will have the longest tenure at Plymouth. Mm-hmm. And it's only been four years and I wasn't clergy the whole time. And that would be difficult. But as we were, we reminded a small group at, at our open door conversations with clergy last Wednesday. We are not the church. They are. And they all hold the institutional memory and help us remember it. That the loss of a clergy person with institutional memory doesn't mean that it's gone. It just means that you all hold it. Correct. And there's gift and reinterpretation of it. I believe that Duane and along with the two of us will help to reframe the past in ways that people may not have be considering that will help guide us into the future. I understand people's grief over that part. I really do. And I just hope that people will be open uh, to whatever is being birthed. We digress a little bit, which is part of the fun of this, uh, (laughs) at least for me. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, But so I want to highlight something from her sermon. And I know we both talked, we have a lot that we would like to talk about, and we probably won't get to all of it. But one of the things that I really want to make sure we, we at least name is this important part that she does around Mary and how she names Mary as an archetype, but also describes a call narrative and and puts herself in it. So a call narrative is part of the both Hebrew and Christian parts of the Bible. Consistently, there are times in which people, uh, often 
prophets are called. And the narrative is consistent in which God or a representative of God, either auditorily or through a dream or somehow communicates to a person says, you are chosen. And the person says, who, me? And the, the voice says, yeah, you. <laughs> and then the person says, I don't want it. And then the voice or God or the representative says, but this is why you're called. And the person then says, okay. And that is what happened with Moses being the prototypical prophet with the call narrative and all the way through. And it goes to Mary. Mary is, they say, you're going to be the mother of a very special baby. Okay. I, I don't feel capable. I don't want it, but okay, I'll do it. Paula then puts herself into that position as I think all of us can, if we look at our own lives at the times we've been asked to do something big and important where she, she was, Plymouth said, or as she said, God said, we need you to be acting senior minister. And she said, I don't want to. And they said, but we need you. And here's why. And she said, okay, that call narrative is very important. Um, I think so too. And I loved the way Paula then invited us into the story. And she asks us to place ourselves in that position or to remember a time when we have been in that position. And then she used this beautiful phrase that we are all responsible for giving birth to God. That's a a powerful, weighty, beautiful statement. And based on Mary's story, I think we can put ourselves there. And you're right, call narratives could be the most transformational pieces of our scriptures because they're so human. Yeah. <laughs> they're very real. And they're reminders that God uses each one of us <laughs> in ways we may not even be able to imagine for both ordinary and extraordinary things. And we just have to be in the position and open to say yes. And they, and they don't have to be the things that we are initially believe that we can do. I think that's for me is the real power of the, the call narrative is, is the part where the person says, no, mm -hmm. there's a decline. No, I, that's not me. I can't do that. Somebody should, but that's, I'm not that somebody. And then being convinced that you are that somebody. And we all have to be that somebody at some point for something, often over and over again in our lives. And it may not be where we feel most comfortable, but it might be where we are most capable. I think we rarely feel comfortable in yeah. calling. And I know calling is a word that we use in the church a lot and maybe harder to transpose to secular life because many people either in their work or vocations, they do what they need to do uh, because they need to provide for their families. And it may not feel any bit extraordinary. And I know I've always worked, and Paula names this too, you know, she she said that one of the things she's always strived to do is to bring the divine kind of closer in, personal, yeah. uh, a part of our everyday lives. And to me, that involves calling, being open to this pull, this suggestion, this hard shove nudge that <laughs> comes only from, you know, a divine source leading us in a direction we may have never imagined that may or may not have anything to do with how we currently spend our days. Yeah. As a side note, it, I don't think Paula even knew this, but Dwayne and you and I all decided that we were going to start talking about calling in the new year. So that what did what a gift that we have to jump off of this and a great transitionary thing and I don't think she even knew it. I don't think she knew it either and and you're right. It's one of those divinely inspired moments where past connects to the present moves towards the future. 
what else stuck out to you? What else was? Well, I think whole... you and I both identified this that, you know, to and to me, this is also, again, what I said earlier, part of a farewell sermon is that you say some truths about the community and you look towards the future. And I think one of the things that she said that was most powerful is when she said, sometimes we as a church have let your ambiguity about Jesus keep us from a deeper faith life. Yeah, I highlighted that when I, I reread it. And I both times I heard it, I thought, wow, it's true. And then she she went on to kind of frame Jesus in this really powerful way. Mary birthed a person who brought forth a radical message. Where the world teaches work hard, make money, and raise children to be successful, Jesus teaches a life of service, generosity, and extraordinary degree of forgiveness. But that first sentence, I think, is right on. We dance around who Jesus is a lot at Plymouth. I think honoring that absolutely people come to know Jesus in a variety of different ways. And just like everything at Plymouth, we don't have one held view, which is a gift in itself. But we are a Christian church, and we profess to follow Jesus. So what does that mean, and how then do we claim this birth of radical change in our midst? Yeah, we can only reject the Jesus of others that we disagree with for so long before we have to, not define, but but hold on to the Jesus that we do find to be important and followable. Right. It's, it's just too easy to say, well, I, that Jesus that shows up in my house and like individually says, you're fine. That's not the Jesus we follow. Okay. Well, that's not the only option. What are Right. That's not the only option. I think that is true. We don't get bogged down in the virgin birth, the bodily resurrection. We could have very interesting conversations about what it means to be the son of God. But all of those things, it doesn't change the fact that Jesus could be a very powerful, influential, significant figure for us to really figure out how he impacts our lives and what his message means for present day. Is that one of those things that shows up mostly in a final sermon? For Plymouth, do you think that for Paula was like one of those sort of radical statements of her own to remind us of this? I don't know. I think we've been encouraging Paula all fall to to speak her truth in a way that maybe she didn't feel she could do before or in a different way. Like, you know, we just kept telling her, say what, this is the time, say what you need to say. And so I think often in her sermons this fall, there have been very pointed and poignant messages to Plymouth. I hope we're listening. I hope we're listening too. And I hope we carry this into what is next, knowing that we have a new lead minister coming in who will have his own perspective and way to frame Jesus. And I think we're all going to learn from that and grow from that. It is a bittersweet time, but there's a lot of hope ahead. And I'm grateful for that. And that's one of the things that I feel like Paula has said consistently in the last couple of weeks. And yesterday during Paula Palooza, the forum, she mentioned this several times at the end of the roast and toast, she said it explicitly. She is extraordinarily hopeful for our future and that she's leaving in many ways, she says, partially because she is ready to retire, but partially because she knows that in order for us to live into this hope that she sees, into the possibilities that she sees we're ready for, we need somebody else to lead. She sees in herself that she is not that person. And And that's a piece of calling too. Yeah. You know, calling isn't a a forever thing. It changes as the need and the world changes and as we change. And I think it takes someone with a lot of integrity and authenticity to also realize when a calling ends. 
So we are almost out of time. And I feel compelled to say, because you and I have not really spoken about Paula publicly because there's been so many other spaces for other people to say. And and I, I constantly feel like words are insufficient, but I need to name, at least in this forum, how important Paula has been to me, that what you just said about her authenticity, her wisdom, her knowledge of self, her ability to know her own place in a, in a context has been, watching and learning from her has been deeply important to me. I, I see her as a friend and a colleague and a mentor and a very wise person. I will miss her greatly and yet 100% support all that is happening. I have said to Paula several times now that I really, I can't imagine not having her right next door. She's right in between door. you and me. Yes, she is. Yeah. And I am so grateful for her presence at Plymouth and in my life and for the way she has modeled leadership and grace and calmness and, you know, stay the course. She really lives in to what she preaches and what she professes as a leader. Yeah. Uh, and she's been just a beautiful colleague and has become a beloved friend. I know we are sending her forward with, with grace and love, and yet there's a lot of sadness in this goodbye. Paula, if you're listening, I'm a better person and I'm a better minister because of you. Thank you. Paula, know that you have made a deep impression on my heart and I am forever grateful for who and what and why you are. Well, that seems appropriate way to end. Thank you all for listening to this edition of In Depth with Beth and Seth to talk about Paula Northwood's final sermon at Plymouth on December 20th, 2020. We will not be doing this next week for those of you who are paying attention. Uh, there will not be a comment on the service on the 27th. We need some time off. And then we will return uh, in January and we will dive into the first sermon by our new lead minister, Dwayne Davis. And what a joy and exciting thing that will be. Merry Christmas, Merry friends. Merry Christmas. And have a, a beautiful holiday, whatever it looks like in this time. I'm looking forward to seeing you all in the new year. And please be safe. We would like to see you and everybody else in the new year. Thank you to Mark Copenhaver for your editing. And thank you to Laura Caviani again for the music you provide. <laughs>